if you want to get to those. And some of you guys just probably don't have church unless you get to, in a, get to fill in a few blanks. Uh, the title to today's Easter message is this, How the Resurrection Gives Us Hope. I felt that we needed to know that we have hope. When Jesus Christ was crucified in, in 33 A.D., there were only about 120 true followers uh, and, and, and to his message. Now today, about 2,000 years later, there's 2.3 billion in the world that claim that they're followers of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? That means one out of every three people on the planet claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The, the Christian church is by far the largest organization on the planet Earth. There's nothing that comes close. The Christians, the number of them, they're, we're bigger than, let's see, China, Europe, and the USA all put together. We're that big. How did that happen so so far, so fast, in one word, resurrection. That's how it happened so quickly. It's the single most significant event in history. Nothing else comes close. It split history into B.C. and A.D. Every event in history is dated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even your birthday. Every single event is dated by his resurrection. He was resurrected. I don't want to get this confused. I don't want you to get this confused with resuscitated. Resuscitated is if you're out and not breathing for, you know, a couple of minutes. Jesus Christ was dead for three days. He was buried in the tomb for three days. And he came back to life. Only Jesus. That single event changed history. And this resurrection filled folks with hope. And so today I want to spread that message of hope as far as we can send it. As far as we can send it. So feel free after this is over to share. To share this feed on your page. Right, today I want to look at, at why the followers of Jesus Christ are the most hopeful people on the planet. Guys, I want to tell you, if you hear, don't hear me say anything else, you and me as Christians, we have more hope than anybody else. Than anybody else. Because of what Jesus Christ did on that resurrection. Why do we have hope? Get out your outlines. Number one, there's six reasons. Number one. We've been completely forgiven. We have hope because we've been completely forgiven. Jesus said, I'm going, the night before he died, he said, guys, I'm going to die and, and I'm on the cross and, and for all of your sins, and then I'm going to come back to life three days later to prove to you I am who I said I am. I am. Guys, if he hadn't done the second part, if he hadn't arose from the dead, if he hadn't done that part, then the first part doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Ephesians 
1 7 says in christ we are set free by the blood of his death and so we have forgiveness of sins because of god's rich grace guys we're all imperfect we all have remorse we all have sins and and, and guilt and god don't want us to carry that around all our lives guilt robs you of energy guilt robs you of of peace and jesus said i came to die for your sins i came to die for them so that you don't have to you don't have to you know have you ever asked the question who put jesus on the cross who put jesus on the cross well i'll tell you that, that it wasn't judas it wasn't Pilate. it wasn't caiaphas the high priest it wasn't the romans it, it wasn't even the crowd well who put jesus on the cross a couple of folks number one god did it it was his plan from the beginning it's why jesus came to die for our sins isaiah 53 6 through 10 says all of us have strayed away like sheep we've left god's past to follow our own yet the lord laid on him the guilt and sins of all from prison and trial they led him away to his death but who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins and suffering their punishment he had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone but he was buried like a criminal then he was put in a rich man's cave but it was God's plan that he should suffer yet when his life is is made an offering for sin he will have a multitude of children what I want you to do is notice that change of tense it makes all the difference in the world he said is is you see this was written 700 years before the birth of Christ what I just read you out of Isaiah 700 years it's a prophecy a prophecy it tells exactly how it would happen let me get a drink of water before I tell you the second group of people that uh, put Jesus on the cross the second group of people that put Jesus on the cross we did we did if none of us had ever sinned then Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross but we did Romans 4 25 says Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised from the dead to make us right with God that's why he was resurrected completely forgiven is hope we have hope the second uh, reason that we have more hope is this number two we're no longer afraid to die we're no longer afraid to die one of the things that Jesus Christ did at the cross was he broke the power of death and he broke the power of the fear of death if Jesus Christ hadn't have been resurrected from the death then we would not even know there is a life after death Jesus conquered death and, and he, he conquered death and, and and greater he showed us there was a greater life afterwards that gives us hope John 11 25 says Jesus promised I am the resurrection and the life whoever believes in me even though they die like everyone else will live again guys that is reason for hope 
if Jesus Christ hadn't have resurrected, there would have been that would have been the end. There would have been no hope. They buried Jesus in a tomb. That's the way they did it back then. They they put him in the in these caves, and then just for Jesus, because of who he was, they sealed it with a stone and and posted some guards there. And when all this happened, Jesus' followers went into hiding. Three days later, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. The seal had been broken. And the stone rolled away. No one was there. The graves were, I mean, the grave clothes were folded up and, and, and laid there in the tomb. You know, just a little side note. You know, one of the stories that came out was somebody stole the body. That was one of the things. Why would somebody take off a dead man's clothes fold them up, and then steal the body. That just makes no sense. If you're going to steal a body, then, then, then there ain't no reason to take off their clothes. Well, but she kind of thinks that may have what happened. And she turns around and she hears a voice. And Jesus is standing there. Then about the time he spoke again, Mary. Mary. And she knew it was him. She said, Mary, go tell the disciples. Go tell the disciples that I'm alive and I'm coming to see them. So in essence, Mary is the first missionary. She was the first one to go tell that Jesus was alive. She ran to him and told him. Guess what? They doubted her. None of them believed her until they became eyewitnesses of it. They didn't want just hearsay. They wanted to see and touch. I mean, you think about it. What if you saw someone just die three days ago? I want you to put yourself in all these guys' position. And then you see them walking around in the Dollar General. You'd feel confused, right? Maybe even, I, I put scared. I think I'd be scared. A little bit of excitement. Here's one thing for sure I wouldn't forget. I wouldn't forget it at all. It would change my worldview about life and death. Amen? It would give me new hope. And oh yeah. If you'll remember, there was a sudden change in the disciples. Remember the disciples went into hiding? At the crucifixion, they were scared to death. Three days later, they're ready to rumble. They're ready to take on Nero and the Roman Empire. What happened? They'd seen Jesus. They had been eyewitnesses. They had courageous confidence. They had contagious hope. Peter said this, we ain't telling some made-up story. We ain't telling some made-up story. Jesus stayed on earth another 40 days. Thousands of people became believers. Acts 1-3 says, For 40 days after his death, Jesus appeared to people many times in many ways that proved beyond doubt that he was alive. They saw him and he talked with them about the kingdom of God. Can you imagine being at Calvary and witnessing his death and now you see him walking around town? Paul listed a few of the witnesses in 1 Corinthians. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. 
He was buried, and then he was raised from the dead on the third day. He was seen by Peter, and then by the 12 apostles. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died by now. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, I saw him too. I saw him too. This is not even an entire list of the multiple meetings that he had, but it's conclusive proof. There were 900 eyewitnesses. Let me give you an example. If I were to take that President Trump and former President Obama came into my diner and had a meeting three, would you believe me? No. You'd say, Jim's crazy. But if Nick and Anna and James and Soon said, no, he's telling the truth. They're staying at that motel beside the QT. Nick says, I shot hoops with President Obama at the Unity Center. James played golf with President Trump at the Elks Club. Melania and Michelle were at the GLOW meeting. They were at the GLOW meeting? Guys, if you got 900 eyewitnesses, then you got a problem with your doubt. You got a problem with your doubt. Because it's not just me saying it. It's why the church exploded at this time in the early days, all because of the resurrection. It gave us hope. Here's the third reason we have more hope. Number three, we now have God's spirit inside of us. Not before Jesus dies, he talks to his disciples. He says, I'm going to die and I'm going to go on to heaven. He says, but I'll send my spirit to be inside you. At the end of the, the 40 days, he said, don't do anything on your own. Wait till you get his spirit. Wait till you get his spirit. He says, because when you get my spirit, you'll get what? Power. Let me get a drink. Acts 1.8. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And will tell people everywhere about me. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ten days later, God sends his Holy Spirit to live in every believer. It's going to give them power to do the things that you can't do on your own. Guys, these disciples, these followers went from hopeless to hopeful. They went from fearful to fearless. They went from cowards to courageous. Jesus is alive and now they have their spirit inside of them. And Jesus is alive. Now you and me have his spirit inside of us. That's worth saying glory about. We have his spirit. God never intended for you and I to go through life with our own power. God wants to have a personal connection with you and I. I'm going to tell you something, guys. That gives us a supernatural advantage and additional power. Here's how I know you ain't got no power. Here's how I know 
that the Holy Spirit is not directing your thoughts and your actions and even your words. When you say things like, I'm at the end of my rope. Or when I say, how you doing? I'm just barely hanging on. I'm just barely hanging on. Or, or I'm, just, I'm just running in on fumes. Or man, Jim, I'm ready to throw in the towel. I want to tell you something, guys. I want to tell you, you're trying to run on your own power. I want, I want to tell you some best advice I can give you is to get plugged in to the power. Get plugged into the Holy Spirit power. Get plugged into God's power. You'll run out on your own. Because the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and split history into B.C. and A.D., that same power is available to you and I on a daily basis. Amen. Same power. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 at the bottom says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe Him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. This is the power of God's Spirit in your life. If God's power can raise a dead Jesus, it can raise a dead marriage. If God's power can raise a dead Jesus, it can raise a dead career. If God's power can raise a dead Jesus, it can raise a dead dream. Amen? God's power. He can do anything in your life. It is the power to be free from your past. It's, those, it's the power to, for you to break free from those memories that are holding you back. It's power. It's the power to start over when you feel like giving up. It's the power to change things that you didn't think that you could ever change. It's the power to overcome those hurts, those habits, those hang-ups. And that power gives us hope. Hope. Number four, the fourth reason is this. God will never Stop loving us. Jeremiah 31, 3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. How long is everlasting? It is forever. It is forever. God ain't never made a person that he doesn't love. I want to tell you some news. You may have been trying, but you can't make God stop loving you. You can't make him. That's a message of hope. And love. God doesn't wait for you to, to love him before he stopped love, starts to love you. He made you. He made me to love. He made me to love. John 3, 16, 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have, ever, have eternal life. But God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God wants you and I to know and to feel his love because it will transform you and I. And then he expects you and I to pass it on to others. I want to tell you something, guys. This love changes you. Something as big as God cannot come into your life and not change you. It can't. It has to. It changes the way you react to, to everyone else. The word says, love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 
1 John 3, 10, 11 says, This is how we know who the children of God are. Anyone who does not obey God's command and doesn't love others is not a child of God. This is the message we've heard from the beginning. We must love each other. We must love each other. Yep, you'll start even to love your enemies when God comes into your life. It'll change you. The Apostle Paul was a religious terrorist in the beginning. He met Jesus and then wrote half the New Testament. You know what else he wrote? I mean, from a terrorist, 1 Corinthians 13. You know what that's called? The love chapter. The love chapter. He wrote about love coming from a former terrorist. Fifth reason is this. We know the purpose that we were created for. We know our, our, our purpose of life. We know what they are. Lots of folks don't. Significance comes from knowing your purpose. Why am I here? What is the purpose of life? You could try to fill it, and a lot of people do, with, with possessions, popularity, power, and it'll still be empty. When you don't know your purpose, there's an emptiness inside that you're going to try to fill it with other stuff. Travel, achievements, sports, success, sex, hobbies. All those are good things, but they will never take the place of knowing why we're here and why we exist. The answers are in, in the Bible. They're in His Word. We've got to read it, meditate on it. Guys, there's more to life. You were wired by God for so much more than just simply the good life. You were wired for a far, far better life. I don't have time to explain the five purposes of our life today, but I'll just quickly share just a few of the thousands of verses about God's purpose for your life and creating you. Psalm 138 says this, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me because His love endures forever. You have a creator who loves you. Guys, you were made by God and for God. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It's a good plan. Hope and a, and a future. John 10, 10, Jesus said, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Guys, you are not really living life until you're connected to God. You're merely existing, existing. You were made more for just, just working Monday through Friday, coming home, watching the news, go to bed, party for the weekend. There's more to life than that. He, gave, he came for that you would have life in its fullness. Know your purpose. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Guys, when you're living out the purpose that you've been created for, God says, I'll bring good out of the bad stuff. I'll bring good out of the 
the bad decisions that you make. I'll bring good out of the dumb mistakes that you make. If you live life according to the purpose, he'll work it for good. He'll work it for good. Mark 8.35 says, Those who give away their life for others know what it's like to really, really live. He said, the Bible calls us to give our life away. To give our life away. We don't really know how to live until you know what's worth dying for. Do you know the first 300 years? The first 300 years, it was illegal to become a Christian. In the, such an explosive growth in the first 300 years in the church. But people died for it. They were fearless. They were hopeful. They were unafraid to die. Look what Paul wrote. I love this. It says, for me, this is Philippians 1.21. And he wrote this from a prison cell. For me, living is for Christ and dying is even better. He says, either way I win. He says, as a Christian, I can't lose. I win. And I know there's still persecution going on today. But there's more to life than just the here and now. That's hope. That's hope. Six. The sixth reason we have hope. Let me get a drink of water. We have an eternal home waiting for us. I got a really dry mouth this morning. We have an eternal home waiting for us. 1 Peter 1, 4. We have been born into a new life which has an inheritance that can't be destroyed or corrupted and can't fade away. That inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Guys, death is not the end. Death is not the end. It's just a transition to better things. This side of death, what we got? 70 years, maybe a little more if you, you know, if you don't chew tobacco or something. The other side of death is eternity. Is eternity. What's heaven like? What's it going to be like? I guess the only word I can come up with after reading Revelations is it's almost indescribable. It's indescribable. We don't have the brain capacity. Because here on earth, we're limited to three dimensions. Guys in heaven, the best thing I can tell is there's a lot more dimensions waiting on us. We know it will be incredible. If you just read what John wrote in Revelation, we know it will be beautiful. Just, just look at the earth. This is, a, this is a broken planet, and it's pretty. Heaven ain't broke. We know it's going to be pretty. The taste, the smells, and, and the colors that will be there. But I was, as soon as I thought of colors, but I thought most of us have a, have a TV view of heaven where everything's white and fog about knee deep. And everybody's got a row. Am I right? Well, that's so boring. All white's boring. But that's not what it'll be like. Why would God do that? 
Nope. Heaven's going to be something. 1 Corinthians 2 9 says, No eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, and no mind has ever imagined the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Ooh, for those who love Him. I've been your pastor now for over two, two decades. And I have seen and been with many folks who passed from this life to the next. I've lost my lots of friends and family members. And I have a daughter in heaven. And the older I get, the more I see heaven as a good deal. I see it as a good deal. The more I look forward to it, and the more I'm, I'm not afraid to die. Guys, as Christians, we got more hope than anybody on this planet. We got it. We're completely forgiven. We're not afraid to die. God's Spirit's inside me, and God will never stop loving me. And I'm living the purpose that I'm called for, and guys, I am certain that one day I will die and I will go to heaven. I'm certain. As the musicians come up, I pray that you would have that confidence. What I'm saying is if you were to die tonight, are you certain that you would go to heaven? And you stood before God and, you, and, and he asked you, Jim, Bob, Tom, why should I let you in? Do you know the password? It's not about being a good person because you and I need a Savior. There's only one way. Let me read that to you. John 14. I read this at funerals all the time. It won't take but a second. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened so that you may see and understand the hope to which God has called you. Romans 10.9, for if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a far better life of Jesus Christ who died and rose from the, for the, from the grave. It's a far better life. I'm betting my life on Jesus dying and rising from, from the grave. I'm betting my life that he's not a liar. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you betting your life on? What are you betting your life on? I want to tell you guys, I want to pray for you. They're going to sing a song. I don't want you to get up and I don't want you to cut it off because I've got one more little 
question I want to give you will take about 30 seconds. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I pray for the folks that are sitting at home in their recliners and their, in their chairs and in their PJs. I pray for the ones that are, that are in Israel and in Massachusetts, in North Carolina, Alabama. I pray that, that they would, if they don't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today they would confess your name so that they would be saved. I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you. That's a new song. I like that. Uh, what I wanted to tell you was, if you uh, made a decision to receive, Jesus, to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I applaud you. I'm so proud of you. And what I'd like to tell you is this. Contact us. We don't, we don't have operators standing by or anything like that. But if you can contact us on our Facebook page, EP will get back with you. And if you want a little more personal touch, my number is 770-548-8816. And, and if, and don't expect me to get back real soon. I'll be taking a nap here in just a little bit. You can text me and let me know. I'd love to know about your decision. Um, Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. You can read it again in John 14, 1 through 6. He's the only way to the Father. And I pray that you would receive him today. And I want to tell you from, from all of us here, we thank you for tuning in. And, and, and please share it. We want to, we want to load the, the globe down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can share this with your friends and make sure that it does. Happy Easter. Have a great time with your immediate family and and uh, stay safe. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that he died and rose again so that we would too. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.